Lucky Land slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
All right, and we're back. And it's been quite some time. When was the last Sunday show? I think it was May? Probably. Um, Well, uh, the move happened, and so many other things have happened in that time. But we'll get to that on the next Rabbit in Red. But joining me is a very special guest for this episode of The Sunday Show. The one, the only, Mr. John Spooky, oh God, Rhodes. I would say your real middle name, sir, but I don't remember it. It also starts with an S. Oh, shithead? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, sir. So how have you been? Not too bad. Um, you know, it's just life dealing with shit around the house mm-hmm. and everyday work bullshit. But but I've been uh, I've been trying to uh, watch more movies. But ah. That's really the only change. We haven't been really able to record with the move and everything going on. So uh, yeah, I've just been trying to get in at least two movies a week. Oh, correct, correct. Are you excited to see the new Rabbit and Red Studios? I am. I am, you, absolutely. You, you uh, have not seen them yet. No, no, I'm excited. No, uh, and, uh, you know, this obviously means that it, it being the Sunday show, I decided to bring the shitty quality, and I'm doing this uh, via phone. So. And it's not, I mean, it's not, uh, I don't think you sound horrible. I think you uh, you sound fairly good. Um, I enjoy it. Um, it's very reminiscent of um, Rabbit and Red's origins back in 2010 with myself um, on a landline. Yeah, but I'm not laying on my bed with my tiny penis in my hand like you uh, were. Well, that was only when Daniel Harris was on the line. Um, oh, okay. Actually, no, See, I can't. I can't. Your, well, in your position, has, yeah. well, I can't even say that because I, I, I do not. Um, I do not pleasure myself to Miss Harris. I have too much respect for her to do so. Um, sure, you just keep telling us all that. Well, I, I never have. See, I, I see, and how I know it is because I tried once, and like it instantly went limp, and stayed limp. Like that was God telling me you are not to masturbate to this woman. So, I, I think it's because you were trying to do it to Halloween 4. Well, uh, no, I mean, hmm. no, nah, see, it's it's like she's too fresh then. You need her, like, you know, prime as the years go on. The freshness, you know, needs to wear off just a little bit, you know. We, we need to go to the, to the time when her pants smelled like oranges. See? See, Mike, right there, admitting stuff like that is why you're on so many watch lists. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you and your magnificent life. And I'd like to kind of get into that now. Um, I would like to start with the origin of John Rhodes. Now, we know that you were born after, you know... um, being inside someone for nine months, then you came out of the birth canal and you 
saw light and got smacked on your bottom and then you cried because you didn't like the smack so let's see um after that presumably i i have no recollection of any of this right well well this is this is what i'm you know imagining in my mind um as happening um so let's see uh you had the the skin to skin contact so then you became you know bonded with your your mother and then later your father and then um there was a whole span of time um uh, i know you said when you were younger what i would really like to 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 start with i think is the pussy john rhodes and i say pussy john rhodes because you had mentioned on a rabbit in red that that when you were younger you were scared of horror i believe so how did the pussy john rhodes turn into the you know um svelte uh, massive gentleman uh that you are today well uh mike i, I was actually born in the early 80s uh, uh 83 to be specific i thought it was um, 84 and but okay i have a uh, no, nope, eighty-three, ah. and I have a uh, a half sister that's uh, ten years older than me. Ah, All right. So seventy-three. Growing All up right. in the eighties, the uh, you know horror was booming. It was the golden age of horror, as I like to call it. Yes. And you know, people can argue that with me, but I don't think it was ever really more popular and more mainstream than it was then. Right. And. Uh, I mean, everyone was watching it. So my, my sister, being in high school and wanting to, you know, fit in and all that bullshit, she was watching it too, so I was exposed at a young age. Um, I I, I want to say, and I, I've gotten this wrong in the past, but with recollection, with uh, thinking back and all that, uh, I have to say the first film, I, horror film, I ever saw, and possibly the first one I ever remember, is Poltergeist. Mm. Um because I, I just remember it terrifying me. Uh, I couldn't tell you how old I was because, you know, it was on VHS. So that was probably, what, like somewhere between 85 and 87, right, Mike? Uh, I want to say maybe 84, but it could be 85. Okay. Hmm. All right. So somewhere in that time frame, uh, I remember being old enough to, you know, kind of understand what was going on. Uh, mostly the tree scared me because uh, I grew up in kind of a uh, a smaller community. Um, it's actually considered a city, just barely. And we lived on the outskirts. We were probably four miles out, but we were secluded enough that, you know, there were woods all around and shit like that. So the tree scared me. I, I could relate to the tree outside the window and the fucking fact that it was trying to eat the kid. It, it terrified me. I remember running out of the, the living room and, like, peeking around the corner, you know, still interested in trying to see what was going on. But I remember that. And then the next one I really remember is uh, Friday the 13th. My the sister had a boyfriend over. Mm. Yeah, the original. Yes. And... I guess he had found out that my sister had never seen it and was talking, you know, oh, really talking it up about, you know, the end and it's so shocking you have to see it. And I I remember watching it with them and I think a lot of it was kind of lost on me because of my age. And I remember 
the, the final act done. It was the body coming through the window. Brenda. I remember that scaring me. But yes. I didn't... Huh? Brenda. That's who came through the window. Brenda. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that scared me. But I, I, didn't, I didn't leave at that point. Um, and then later, uh, Jason just diving up and grabbing... Oh, Alice. Up from fucking behind, man. Yes. That, that scared me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that one stuck with me for a long time. I don't I don't know why that kind of became, like, a, a little primal fear. And then, of course, like anyone else, uh, Jaws. Jaws was always a, a favorite of mine, but it still scared me. And I don't know why. Um, I think at that point, it, it kind of become that addiction that so many of us get, mm-hmm. where you're looking for that rush. You're trying to find that thing that scares you so I, I started watching the Jaws movies and movies like it like Orca and shit like that right. because I, I was I was searching that out and I, I wanted something to scare me like Jaws did you know because we had a pool at the time and goddamn, when when the sun was starting to set and half the pool was covered in the shadow of the deck man I, I got a little nervous you know fucking Jaws the great white shark might be down there it, it, stupid kid shit but I, I was looking for stuff like that Uh-oh. and uh, probably when I was 12 years old mm-hmm. we finally got a satellite dish because growing up before that we just had an antenna and I think three channels four if we were lucky and the conditions were right oh boy yeah yeah so for the people that didn't grow up in that time frame imagine only having three fucking channels it was not fun kids yeah we 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 were old school we had the dial and under the tv where you would turn it and it would actually turn the antenna and yeah the whole deal yeah and, and you had vhf had the and uhf giant, mm-hmm. oh fuck yeah and yeah. we had the giant uh satellite dish when we finally got that and you know you'd have to select different satellites to get different channels and that just seems like too much uh, work honestly but I I remember that and it opened up a whole world to me because you know Friday the 13th and shit like that was on and we had HBO and shit like that Mm. and uh, I was already a Friday the 13th fanboy at that point Um, and you were 12 at the time uh Probably. Um, I I can I can actually I can kind of trace it back uh, because we're talking about a bunch of, of shit and my love for movies. Mm. Um, well, I'm a cinephile. If anyone hasn't already guessed that by listening to this podcast, Rabbit and Red, or any other one I've been on, I'm a cinephile. I, I love movies. Um, and I think I can actually trace that back to just how I was raised, how my, my family, you know, kind of did things. It, it, it was the typical 80s thing where, you know, oh, we're going to celebrate or we're going to do this. We're going to go out and we're going to get a pizza and then we're going to go to the video store. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was like the fucking best night as a kid where it's like, okay, we're going to go get a Domino's pizza and hope the Noid don't ruin it. Yeah, that's a callback right there. The Noid, yeah. And then... <laughs> and then we're going to go to the video store. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, back then, people didn't give a fuck what you rented. No. And, and it was always my favorite. You know, I was always going to get, like, Indiana Jones or different horror movies and, and shit like that. So you started going out to the video store as only like a celebratory thing. So it wasn't like a like once a week thing. It was maybe like once a month or you know at special occasions. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we weren't well off when I was a kid. We kind I kind of grew up poor. Uh, to to put it, you know, just straightforward. Um, I can actually remember. Uh, Right around when I was in first grade, I think it was just before first grade, um, I actually, uh, I actually ended up going into the hospital for, I believe it was two weeks. Um, I, I developed what's called epiglottitis. Okay, what is that? And <laughs> I could be wrong, but it's the spontaneous swelling of the airway. Yeah, if so I knew how to spe- if I knew how to spell it, I would look it up and uh, you know. Uh, um, it's been a long time since you know anyone's talked to me about it or anything like that, and I, I was quite young. But um, basically, I couldn't breathe. Uh, My I parents see. realized something was horribly wrong. Uh, we went to the ER, and I ended up living in an oxygen tent for two weeks because I, I couldn't breathe. Um, uh, I was given shots shit three times a day, I believe. So they, I, I, I want to say it was three times. Once in the morning, once in the afternoon, and then they'd wake me up in the middle of the night to give me shots. Wow. Um, oh, it was, it was fucking horrible. Um, I, I, I just remember since they were pumping in the oxygen, it was, uh, it was very humid in there, so everything was wet. Like you were, you were constantly damp. Right. And you're in this fucking plastic tent, so you know I, I couldn't do anything but sit there. And you know my my parents are beside me. My dad's you know working, and when he's not at work, he's there. And my mom's there constantly because she was a stay at home mom. Yeah, that actually was a thing in the eighties, right. believe it or not. And. Uh, <laughs> I actually remember once they, they would let me out to go to the bathroom once I, I, I started getting better. Mm-hmm. And I hated the tent so much, uh, I found a pin, you know, one of those, those coat pins that had fallen off someone's coat in the restroom, and I snuck it back, and when no one was looking, I shoved it through the fucking tent, and I sliced that bitch open, and I was going to escape. Ooh. Needless to say, I didn't escape, and my parents had to pay for a new tent, but... That was, uh, but, wow. But, yeah. Yeah, so I almost died. Um, it was a horrible experience. But the, the big takeaway, the thing that I actually remember the most is my parents being ecstatic when I was released and actually picking up my sister because she was staying with my grandparents and we went out and we could rent as many movies as we wanted. Oh, boy. And I... I, I yeah, that that's was... my big takeaway. I remember, I, I remember we went and I think we rented like ten movies that night, and we had pizza, and that's that's what I remember from that whole experience. Is I, I remember the bits and pieces that are horrible, 
But I remember the overwhelming joy uh, of coming home with the pizzas and like 10 VHS tapes. 10? So and wait, were they only... With my family. Well, they were only like one-day rentals at the time, correct? Uh, well, uh, no, because a lot of them were catalog, you know. Oh, oh, that's right. You were younger, so back then, in the '90s, they had like maybe five-day or seven-day rentals at your uh, store. Yeah, that that was always like the big promotion. Right. Um, God, if I remember right, I think it was five VHS for five days for five dollars. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and uh, that that's that's my biggest memory from that is just the overwhelming joy of that. And it kind of became a, a tradition with my family that that's, that's how we celebrated. You know, once I got too old to go trick-or-treating, you know, I was too cool for that shit. Mm-hmm. That's how we celebrated Halloween as we went and I got to rent, you know, whatever horror movies I wanted and we would get pizza and uh, Halloween night I'd eat pizza and watch horror movies and hand out candy. So it, it just kind of became a, a tradition. And to get back to your original question, I, I think just by constantly seeking out what scared me and embracing that and, and trying to get more and more of it, mm-hmm. I, I, like anything else, kind of just developed the tolerance. So that's how Pussy John became stout non-Pussy John. Well, how, okay, but but I do have to ask a question because I don't think we, we ever explored this fact and now that I'm here, I feel like I, I have to indulge. Um, so, if you can remember, which I'm sure you probably can remember back, um, what is probably one of the most pussy things Pussy John ever did in a reaction to something scary? Did you ever pee your pants? Not to my knowledge, no. Um, I, I just, I remember, uh, I think it was after the first time I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Um, I, I grew up and there was a, a tree outside the window, as I already mentioned with uh, the whole poltergeist story. And I believe it was a, a windy night and you know how sometimes the branches smack the window for whatever reason I convinced myself that Freddy Krueger was outside my window oh my god running his claws along it oh my god trying to get me. and uh I I just remember being terrified like cuddling down into my bed and I'm pretty sure I called for my parents especially my mommy Oh my god. Now see, I wish I could have heard that, been a fly on the wall during that moment, because... Wow. I mean, to hear you, I mean, you know, like I said, as of right now, you are this, 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 um... I don't want to say bulbous, because that implies you're, you're, you're fat, and you're really not. You're just a, a mass of, of, of muscle and um, strength. And uh, that is totally not what you would do today. Oh, no. Um, but, you know, it, it's through those experiences that make us 
who we are. I mean, if I didn't go through stuff like that and be afraid of it and figure out logical conclusions and stuff like that, I, I would still have those fears. I, I would be like the people that are watching horror films for the first time and, and not having that tolerance. I would be the kind of person that would hear something outside and get scared instead of just being like, well, it's probably this or... Oh, that could be something else. I'm going to grab my flashlight and mm. I'm going to go see what the fuck that is. And, you know, I can understand that. Um, so, like, how would you say um, after that point? So now we know that that kind of established you as a cinephile. So what, um, um, because, you know, if I understand it, if I remember correctly, because I'm trying to remember um details of your life through us having you know various conversations over the years um right you did end up going to school for um english right or writing something in that vein i'm probably jumping too well, far ahead um, but you know what brought that i, I did actually yes. uh so uh honestly I, I couldn't tell you um i've always kind of been a writer Okay. Uh, you know, some people grow up and they're they're always drawing shit, or kids grow up playing music or something. That wasn't me. I I was always writing stories so as far back as I can really remember. I was writing stories. Were were they gold? No. A lot of times they were just you know takes off from movies I saw or shit like that that I found really interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, actually. I was really encouraged to write, too, because um, I know I've joked about this on different shows before, but I'm actually incredibly dyslexic. Yes. So growing up, actually learning to read was very, very difficult for me. Um, it actually took me quite some time to be able to, you know, read like normal kids, Uh actually believe I was in middle school. I was I was in some of the SPED classes. That's what we called them back then. Right. You know, uh, because my brain just was wired different and I couldn't comprehend. It took me a long time to actually get it. But needless to say, before anyone wants to poke fun, by the time I graduated, I was reading at a more advanced level than most of the kids around me. Probably because I had to push myself, but I was also really encouraged to write because through writing, I would learn proper spelling, proper context, things like that that would help me to be able to read. So my parents always encouraged that, especially my mom. My dad worked a lot to provide because, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and all that 80s bullshit. But, uh, no, as long back as I can remember, I was always writing. And I, I even, you know, some of my teachers were, were along with my mom and I could do that as, like, extra credit, you know, because I was never the best student. Yeah. But uh, by the time I was in uh, middle school, I was actually writing stories, you know, full-fledged little uh, novellas and shit like that. Um, so did you keep um, journals uh, and stuff a lot as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, like, diaries or anything like that, but they were just... They're full of stories. Um, yeah, I did. Um, that was pretty much like we had study hall, and my entire study hall was, bam, I was sitting down and I was writing. And, you know, uh, uh, Death Isle was, was, was my big one. You know, 
know, because it sounded cool. It's better than Death Island. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Death Pile. And uh, I wrote, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know how old I was. Do you still yeah. have it? Somewhere. You should find it. I, I would like to um, go into it on a future uh, Rabbit and Red. How would you like to do like a, a radio drama version of it? Well, um, I'm, I'm saying we could discuss it, and, and yeah, maybe we could actually do that and do a companion piece where we discuss it. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I still basically remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was... I don't remember any of the characters' names, but it was a young man who and ends up inheriting a private island. Okay. And... He goes to said island, and to celebrate, he ends up inviting all his friends over, mm-hmm. and over the, cur- the the course of the weekend, um, a curse kind of takes place, and people are killed off one by one. Oh, uh, I, I I remember being inspired by... Uh, April Fool's Day, but I didn't want that joke ending. And of course, I was a Friday fanboy, so that was a big inspiration. Really, the only thing I truly remember is that once you were kind of under the power of the curse, you started to get pale. I remember writing that. And I remember one scene where um, the people were freaking out, and they'd lock themselves in the mansion. And uh, they heard something on the roof, and then they thought the killer was coming down the chimney. And they run, and the big surprise is it was actually one of their friend's heads tossed down the, the chimney. Ah, interesting. Yeah. And there went on to be, like, four more Death Isles. So... I wrote a bunch of them. Yeah. Wow. So was, 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 was the fourth one called The Final Chapter? You know, since you were a big Friday fan. I don't remember and I barely remember anything about any of the other ones but the first one and oh because I was going to say you know did you have the the killer uh, get a machete through the eye and then have the you know thing get you know his head get sliced like Jason at the end of the final chapter I I do remember that uh, the killer ends up escaping the island and uh, it takes place then on land and it just I don't, I don't remember much past that I remember that I started to get into fan fiction and I, I wrote a, a sequel to Jason Goes to Hell um, because that is your favorite Friday the 13th at this point um at that point in my life it was a toss up between that one and uh, uh, part six Oh, part six. Oh. So, yeah, but now you have such disdain yeah, for the, part six. Wow. I don't, I don't have disdain for it. I mean, there are far worse in the franchise. I know. You don't anyway. like Jason X. I get it. Well, I don't even consider that part of the franchise. Anyway. It is. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I was always writing. Even into high school, I was always writing. Um, you know, I started to to get better, perfect. And, yeah, I 
ended up, I went to college. Uh, my, <laughs> my grand scheme was actually that I was going to go to college, mm-hmm. and I was going to get, uh, I, I went for film. I went as a film major, and I was going to graduate from, you know, University of Pittsburgh with a film degree, and then I was actually going to go to just a film school, because I thought that would help me. Right. Now, was this before or after you discovered... I'm I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but was this before or after you uh, discovered The Evil Dead? This was probably after that point, correct? Oh, after. Oh, after, yeah. Yes. So you wanted to Um, be like a Sam Raimi and a Bruce Campbell. That was your goal. No, actually... Uh, you want it to be better than Oddly them. enough... <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, I... God, man, I was probably maybe 13 or 14 when I first saw Evil Dead. Right. And I know I've told this story before, but, you know, it was... For the people the who don't it, know, who only listen to this show. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was right around the time when Internet was real early. It might have been even a little later than 13 or 14. I, my memory is not that good. But I remember just reading uh, on certain websites, you know, like House of Horrors and shit like that, you know, that's completely defunct and crap now about, you know, the worst horror films or the most infamous. And, you know, I was just trying to research, trying to find shit that I needed to see that I haven't seen and just really trying to broaden my horizons. And one that kept coming up was Evil Dead. And uh, we went to Erie, Pennsylvania, mm. which is about an hour and a half away from uh, where I grew up in Warren, Pennsylvania. And we were Christmas shopping, and we went to... I don't even remember the name of the store. Mm. I just This was the first time we were ever there, but I just remember walking in, and the, the store was huge. It was like the size of a Kmart, but the entire side of the store to my right was nothing but VHS. Mm-hmm. There were posters everywhere and, you know, the TV screen walls, and I just remember seeing it. My mouth practically hit the fucking floor, and I just said, I'm in heaven. And I remember my parents laughing, and I, you know, ran off and was going through all the different ones, and I ended up finding the evil dead it's like oh my god you can't find this anywhere i was never able to rent this blah 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 i have to have this and did you have your first sexual experience in that store because it sounds like you know that made Uh, your little balls drop i possibly man yes (laughs) did you feel wetness i remember i got that (laughs) no but i remember i i got that in the lost boys oh lost boys yes yeah, but I remember we got home, and I ran to my room, and at that point, I had my own VHS player, and uh, I put it in, and I watched it, and the evil dead got me. You know, at that point, I, I had already started to build up that tolerance, but the evil dead was just so brutal and visceral, mm-hmm. different, it got me, and uh, I just kind of always held on to that. Were you instantly uh, drawn no, to I, Bruce I Campbell? Never, uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't, actually. So at um, first you hated him. You I were wasn't. like, he's pussy. He's no, he like just, pussy me. I can't be He was just him. another actor. Right. He was just like Tom Matthews or anyone else that I watched. 
he was just another actor. The the guys that made it were just, you know, other people. It wasn't until later in my life that I really felt the affinity for it. Oh, and we'll get to um, that because Tom Matthews is a much better yeah. actor than Bruce Campbell. But continue. <laughs> but uh, now to to get back to the whole uh, schooling thing, mm-hmm. my my idea behind it was that you know when I went to Hollywood mm-hmm. and I applied for a job, they'd look at my resume and see that I graduated with a film degree from the University of Pittsburgh and then I went to whatever film school and graduated so I had two film degrees ah, of course I was a shoe in right you know just shows my ignorance around Hollywood and all that back then well you were younger that's so, what I thought yeah. right right yeah Young I thought that's stupid. how it worked yeah. man mm-hmm. yeah and then I went to college and I discovered that the University of Pittsburgh, at least at that time's film program, was shit. And basically, the only thing it offered was to teach you how to be a critic. Wow. So, I quickly changed my degree to an English writing degree, and I minored in history, and after two years, I realized that I wasn't going to do a goddamn thing with that, that the only thing they were teaching me was proper grammar and shit like that, they weren't teaching me how to be more creative or how to, you know, develop better stories or anything like that or anything like that. Right. Um, so I, I dropped out. Um, and I just, I got a menial factory job. I did almost nothing. Like, my, my life was pretty much work, home, watch some TV, and that was it. And I was actually able to pay off all my college debt because I didn't do anything. I didn't put out any money. It was just everything I got went straight to it. Um, but I, I actually kind of got out of horror at that point. So uh, you stopped watching movies in general? Um, I didn't go to the movies. Uh, but, you know, I, I would still watch. I still rented that that never went away. That's never went away. I still I still even to this day love going to the video store and you know walking up and down the aisles and renting yeah. Something. Lucky you still have a family video around. Fucker, continue. I do, man. It's it, it's not the best. It's not what I grew up with, but you know it's it's still good. It's serviceable. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, no, I kind of got out of it. I I couldn't even really tell you why. I think it was just I was in such a I funk such a low point that uh, I did, and, and things kept kind of going that way, and I ended up getting just through life and, and circumstances, and you know, being younger. God, I was probably early twenties at that point, mm-hmm. um, and you know, my worldview had crushed, and everything that I thought was was how my life was going to be was not that way. And I ended up getting really depressed. I started drinking a lot. Oh, God. And It begins. Um, uh, I actually started uh, contemplating suicide. Now that um, is... I do not believe that. That is a very dark point. Uh, yeah. Um, so much so that uh, I... I I, as I said, I kind of grew up in a rural area. Um, I, I grew up with my dad. My dad is a huge outdoorsman. He was always hunting. Mm-hmm. It's 
probably his favorite activity. So, of course, he drew me into that. Um, I, I did hunt up until I was probably 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. I just got out of it. it. It wasn't really my thing. I don't enjoy, you know, killing. Uh, something that's kind of stuck with me is, uh, I don't even remember where I heard the quote, but never take a life worth living. So mm. I, I don't, I can't, I can do it. I just don't enjoy killing an innocent animal just for the thrill of it to go out and be like, oh, I got a seven point buck or whatever. I, it doesn't, doesn't give me any pleasure. Right. But I, I had and still have guns. And at that point in time, I, I had actually gotten so low that I had removed, uh, the sights, I have a uh, 44 Magnum, which is, you don't really know anything, is a fucking big-ass handgun. Mm-hmm. Most of the things you see in TV and movies are 9 millimeters. Um, a 9 millimeter bullet would fit within a 44 Mag. Mm-hmm. Wow. So most of the shit that you see on TV is quite small in comparison to this. So mm-hmm. I had removed the sights, and remembering lethal weapon, I'd actually taken a file and put... Uh, an X and a hollow point because if I did actually pull the trigger I wanted it to fully open up I I didn't want the hollow point just to flatten out I wanted it to completely split apart and just obliterate my head right because you wouldn't have to clean it up at that point so well, that was the thing, man, is I wanted to do it right. If I was going to do it, I wanted to do it You wanted right. to be and taken out. That shows how much... Yeah, that shows how much thought I put into it. Mm-hmm. I literally had filed a bullet down. Uh, I'd, I'd thought about it a lot. Um, if you know anything about people that are suicidal, I'd actually given away a lot of shit. I was just giving it away. And it got to the point where... I was sitting on the edge of my bed one day with the loaded handgun in my hand, and I ended up, uh, I put it in my mouth, and... Oh, my God. Thumb on the trigger, and the the thing that stopped me was the mental image of what would happen, you know? I'd pull the trigger, and with that handgun, it would it'd blow a hole bigger than my fist out the back of my head right. with that bullet. Mm-hmm. And the mental image of that mess and my mom being the one to find me. And you think she would have been the one? Yeah, she would have. And that was that was something I, I, I couldn't handle. Wow. And uh, the burden that it, that it would have put on her and others. I, I couldn't I couldn't handle that. And that's actually what stopped me. Wow. <sighs> Sorry. That's, I, that's no, I've never really totally said shit. that before. But yes, honestly, you never have. Yeah, that that point you never have brought up. Wow. That's 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 how low I, I had gotten. God damn. Um, but I I'd actually I, I picked myself up, um, and with the help of a, a good friend. Hmm. Uh, he kind of started getting me in the right direction. Uh, he made sure to send me funny articles and stuff like that, and and um, he he was the one that kept asking, "Well, you always wanted to to 
right, you always wanted to make movies, what's going on with that? And he kind of, he gave me the idea to do a daily affirmation. Do you know what that is, Mike? Um, that's, well, I know it's something positive. Yes. Right. A daily affirmation is basically that you get up with a goal in mind. Um, say the goal is uh, I'm going to finish this script. Right? Mm. It, it can be as vague as that or very specific. And I can't really remember because it's been a long time since I did it. But you'd actually sit down and you'd write it out. I think I, you'd write it out like 20 times. Mm. You'd just write it out. And it's not that there's any fucking belief that writing it out will make it come true or anything. You're just reinforcing it. You're really drilling it into your mind so it's always on your mind. You know, it's not pushed to the background or anything like that. By, by doing that, you're, you're forcing that thought to always be in your mind. That is a goal that is constantly there. And... I did that. I did that for probably at least a year. It might have been two years. Um, and I started reading much more. Uh, I got back into horror. Um, and it was actually at, right around this time when I was starting to get myself back together is when I, I first got uh, If Chins Could Kill, the Bruce Campbell autobiography. Ah, so it begins again. And this is where it, it truly begins. Now, as I said, the Evil Dead scared me, and I tried to hold on to that. Now, any films that truly got to me, that kind of scared me, mm-hmm. I saved them, and they became a tradition on Halloween. Right. And really, the only one that's lasted for me is the Evil Dead. And it's kind of become holy to me. And, and after reading Bruce's book, mm-hmm. it was such a fucking inspiration. And knowing what Bruce, you know, did and went through to become who he is was so fucking inspiring to me that I ended up falling in love with his story, falling in love with the story behind the evil dead. And also falling in love with him on some level. On some level, you're absolutely right. I mean, that is why I have uh, WWBCD tattooed on me. Right. I mean, sure, it's funny, but, you know, when it comes right down to it, he's a huge inspiration. So... I mean, a guy that went out and made his dream come true. So, the day that he actually dies will probably be the saddest day of your life. It's going to be right up there. It'll be right up there with the death of my parents. Well, your parents have not at this juncture no I'm just saying it will probably impact me just as much oh boy um, wow but no it, that story and everything that that inspired me and I started to write again um, I wrote a first draft of a screenplay um, within the woods was it within the woods or within the darkness within the darkness sorry Hmm. it's been a while (laughs) and uh it 
was really long and it was really like specific and I wasn't happy with it. So I started to read Bruce's book again. Mm-hmm. And in total, I think I've read his book like three or four times. Wow. I'm and uh, I rewrote that script at least once more. I think twice more, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not saying it's perfect. I've actually, you know, we're people. We, we learn more, we grow, we develop. And uh, I still think it's decent. Um, But that is also kind of where you and I begin, Mike. Oh. Because it was at this time that, you know, I was also writing short stories and stuff like that. And I was listening. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 